I mean, I, I think that being super authentic and being your true self is really important and, and providing like a safe space and container for the woman to be her most authentic self as, as well. Welcome back to another episode. I am delighted to have Jade Chang Shepherd here with me. She is the founder of Scarlet Society, which I kind of want to tell you about, but I also kind of want to leave open because it's such an intriguing brand name, <laughs> Scarlet Society. Um, yeah, but I, what I will say is that she founded it when she was turning 40, had gotten divorced or was getting divorced. I guess we'll hear that story. And um, and I'll leave it there because I think it's an intriguing uh, opening. Um, so yeah, we're, we're talking about sort of dating, uh, over 40 today. And I think that this is a relevant topic for all of us, myself in particular, since I just turned 40 last year. And, um, yeah, I would love to hear just to start, you know, how did you, what was your path and your inspiration for founding Scarlet Society? Yeah. Hi, Melanie. Nice to um, be here with you and all of your listeners. Uh, yeah. So the path to Scarlet was super interesting. Um, there were a couple different steps to it. But first, um, I remember a few years ago when one of my very best friends started going through this really interesting time of her life. And it was pretty horrible. Like it was it was tough. Um, there were just a lot of things going on. She was like low on energy, almost like seemed a little bit depressed and hard to focus. And she was the CEO of a business. Um, and it took her about several different doctors before she was diagnosed with perimenopause. And we all looked at each other and we're like, what is that? Um, and we thought, well, if we don't know what it is, who does, you know? Um, and then couple that with uh, the kind of my ex-husband, now ex-husband and I were going through the separation process. And when I started Googling on the internet, everything looked so terrible. Like the, the concept of divorce and separation seems so traumatic. And, um, and I just thought to myself, it doesn't have to be that way, does it? Um, and so like the kind of this idea of wanting to redefine divorce and separation, like why can't we just choose to be who we want to be with? Um, and then it'd be okay to move on. Um, couple that with um, turning 40, I felt like I was going through between the divorce and, you know, new time in business. And we were also moving to Nicaragua and back. And I just thought, am I having a midlife crisis? And, and all of the images that are conjured up when you hear midlife crisis are so negative, right? We hear, we think of the old dude in the Corvette, you know, with like a really young girl or whatever. But I just thought, well, why can't it be a really positive thing? And, and I actually, I felt like I was blessed to actually have the opportunity to sit down and take a moment in my life and think through, how do I want it to look? Is it the way that I've imagined that it was going to look through my whole 20s and 30s? And it wasn't. 
And so um, that concept became really important too, is the redefining of the midlife crisis. And then pair that with my, um, you know, becoming single again and really like reawakening my sex life and dating again. And I found it to be the most incredible experience um, dating and sex in your 40s. Um, And I wanted to explore everything that just only existed in my mind before um, and in my fantasies. And I did. And I had really like the most incredible time and still do. And I truly believe that the 40s are our prime um, and they can and they can be um, if we take the time to really um, take a moment with ourselves and, and look through it. So Scarlet came as a result of all that. And really the the motto, the the drive for Scarlet is to inspire women over 40 to really take a moment and think through how do you want the second half of your life to be? And we want to be the place where you can confidently explore sexual health and wellness in life um, 40 and above. Um, We feel like there just is still too much stigma around sex. And especially for when you think about sex and women over 40, I kind of felt like when I was just on the internet, like there just is really little resource out there for women over 40, especially as it pertains to sexual health and wellness. And it felt a little bit uh, insulting to me as if the world was saying, well, once you're done having kids, do you really need to have sex anymore? Um, And, and so almost as an act of defiance or as an act of like cultural activism, I feel like Scarlett's birth was, you know, out of that as well. Like, no, it's not actually uh, aside from having children, sex in your forties can be incredible and should be, and is amazing. So we're really trying to redefine that narrative as well. There's so many things I like about what you said. I really, um, I like that reframing something like a midlife crisis to, I don't know, the word evaluation is not very sexy, but midlife evaluation is, is more what it can be. It doesn't have to be a crisis. It can be a, here's where I am. Is that where I want to be? Where do I want to be? What would that look like? What would that feel like? Who would be around me? Creating a vision of how you want your life to be is an intelligent thing to do at any age. But there is something about, I think that midlife point of really evaluating, is this the trajectory that I want to be on? And if not, let me shift some things. It sort of reminds me of most people by this point are familiar with post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress disorder, but not a lot of folks are familiar with post-traumatic growth, which is a term and a concept in the psychological community that's pretty well known, which is post-trauma, their growth is possible and pretty transformational growth because when you've been through something extremely difficult you learn things about yourself. If you get the right support and you're doing, you're essentially doing growth work, there is this phenomenon of post-traumatic growth. But how many news articles are there about that? Probably right. one in a hundred versus, you know, the 99 that are about post-traumatic stress. And that's appropriate to a certain extent, but it's just, where is our focus? What is our focus on? So yeah, I right. really like that. And I think, um, you know, one thing I, I did want to ask you was, in terms of your, you know, your sex explorations, um, what were some of the inspirations that you had or what were, you know, if you're willing to share, what were some of the, the sort of like, I've never tried this out. I've always been curious about it. I want to try it out. Was that sort of like BDSM stuff? Was it just, 
I don't know. I, I know that my audience would be curious about just like, what does that mean to you? Cause I think there's a lot of people who can feel trapped in their, in their marriage or in their long-term community relationship and are having fantasies. They are having sort of like, I'd love to try this, but they're not necessarily sharing it with your partner. So no. did you have those conversations with your ex-husband question? And then also like, what were, what were your sex explorations that, that lit you up? Cause you, you sound very lit up. Yeah. So what I came to realize, so I grew up in a pretty, like I'm an, you know, child of immigrants. I'm actually an immigrant myself um, in a pretty conservative household, grew up in a suburb and like pretty like traditional social constructs. Right. And so I was told and taught and raised to get good grades, go to college, get a good job, get married, have kids. And for me, all that happened kind of uh, around my mid thirties and before. And then I just kind of was thinking, okay, I've done all that. I've done everything society wants me to do. Now what, you know? And it's almost as if, well, now that you've done it, uh, like I felt this like immense freedom, like, okay, now I've done what everyone wants me to do. Um, now I can kind of go and take the time to do what I want to do. Um, and so I first, when it came to sex, it was, I really kind of, went down to like, I want to just explore all of it. Um, is sexuality was certainly a part of it. And um, I have always been straight and I just thought, well, um, but I haven't really experimented with anything else. So how do I even know? Right. So I uh, threw that into the experimentation and tried that out. Um, and I found I do like, um, like kind of group scenarios I love um, parties um, I, I, threes are a little bit tough for me. I actually prefer more than three because three, it's always like two on one. Right. And it, like one person always seems to be left out. Whereas if you have four or more, you have a little more participation. Um, so like, those are some of the things I've learned. Um, but I do love, yeah, like, um, kink and BDSM that really like for me was more about exploring the, um, feminine and masculine energies and also the dominant and submissive energies. So like I am an entrepreneur, I am a CEO and I've started several businesses and, uh, you know, went to college and uh, I consider myself a high powered woman. And so the narrative that we get as women, especially once, you know, is that we are strong, we are, you know, uh, we have power and we, um, we are to control, right? Um, and I did, I control everything in my life, my kids, my, my home, everything. And, um, but if you really take, for me, if I took a moment to think about my fantasies, they were all about giving up control. Right. And so it took me a while to like, kind of, to reconcile that in my mind, like, can I be a feminist and still be a submissive, you know, um, and I found that to be so fascinating um, and I really fully embraced it. Um, and uh, I, I have a partner now who I have given full permission to be as dominant as he would like to be. And I find it, it's so electric and it's so juicy and delicious. And I just love it. And for him too, like men are taught, you know, you must never mishandle a woman. You must be very gentle and careful. and um, um, you know, all these things and they are not in outward society, given the permission, 
um, in a consensual way. And even in a consensual way, it's like hard to get your mind around. Um, does this girl really want me to do that? Think those kinds of things to her. And, um, how do I do it? Like, how, I don't want to hurt you. Uh, it, it, and it, of course, there's so many boundaries and communications that go along with it. But the freedom to explore that has been really amazing and really brought out like this feminine energy in me that I never knew existed. Um, and I, I just love it. It's one of my favorite uh, things that I've explored in the last few years. Yeah. Thank you for speaking to that experience of kind of growing up in a home that's conservative and then doing all the things you were supposed to and getting to the point of, of thinking, is this, is this it? <laughs> is this, is this right. life? Is that, is there, is this all there is? Cause I think that's a common experience for a lot of people, especially when there are sort of, uh, goals along the way, right? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm in school. I need to get into a good college. I'm in the good college. I need to get into a good grad program. I'm in the good grad program. I need to get a good job. I need to get promoted in the good job. There's so many real steps on that course and on that ladder. And then I think there is that pause moment of, okay, I've done the things and now what? And I really liked what you said about you know, can I be a feminist and still be a submissive? And I think that's one of the mysteries and delights of eroticism is it's not the real world. It's not the same thing. And I know a lot of the men that I work with have that same question of, can I be a feminist and still be dominant, right? How do I reconcile that, you know, to your point of the fear of, I don't want to transgress. I don't want to go too far. I don't want her to feel uncomfortable. I don't want, there's so many, I don't want, don't want, don't want that they often will repress that energy in themselves. And then their, their polarity will, will die in the relationship. They don't, they don't have that, that sense. And so I find it terribly ironic that in so many relationships, she actually wants more of that energy from him. And he actually does have it in him, but he's so scared of, of using it in the wrong way that he's not owning it. So I'm just curious, was that part of the dynamic that was missing with your ex-husband and with your current partner? You know, is that something that you two grew in together or did he kind of already have that online when you, when you got together? Uh, I did not really understand that when I was in my marriage. So we really never had the opportunity to explore that. Um, really, I didn't start exploring until I was single again. Um, with my current partner, no, I, I knew while I was dating that I needed somebody with the kind of polarity energy that I need, you know, that to me, um, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked for me to also be with a submissive male. Um, so basically like the night we met, <laughs> I like put his hand around my neck and I just said, how does this feel to you? And I, I could just see his like eyes, like getting so big. Um, and so like, since the night we met, we kind of like, I would kind of dip the toes in a little bit. And I told him like, Hey, like I love sex and I want to explore these things. Um, like he knew kind of like early on, that was a little freaky. Um, but uh, yeah, so I just kind of tried it just to test out his energy to, to test out what resonated with him. And thank God he's like beautifully dominant. Um, so it works really well together, but we are, um, since it's my first, uh, real partnership, um, since starting, since I've been single, like we're navigating that together. How do you have all these experiences together as a committed partnership? Um, and how do we 
play and have those boundaries and have that communication together. And I would imagine that's something that other women are also looking at in Scarlet Society, um, because it seems like it's that type of play is becoming, I think, more accepted and more um, more talked about, more talked about and more embraced. And it doesn't necessarily make it easier to bring up in an existing partnership, right? Like, I'm interested in exploring this. How does that sound to you? in a committed partnership, say a marriage that you've been in for a long time can be pretty scary because you're, yeah. you're wondering, are they going to think I'm weird? Are they going to, are they going to humiliate me in some way? Is that going to be, be difficult to handle? And I'm just curious in, in terms yeah. of your, your experience with, with lots of women, because you work with lots of women, I would imagine through Scarlet Society. Is that one of women's fears is, is, I'm sort of scared to bring up the things that I want or the things that I want to try with a partner. And is there anything that men can do to help women open up sexually? Yeah. I mean, fear and uncertainty are like an underlying undercurrent. It's like a huge undercurrent, not just with sex and communicating about that, but with so many things around midlife. I mean, that's the crux of the midlife crisis, right? It's not a crisis if you don't have fear and uncertainty about everything that's about to happen. Like divorce wouldn't be so traumatic if there wasn't fear and uncertainty about starting over, starting fresh, try, being single again, right? Losing your kids or the concept of custody. So um, like for sure, that's a huge undercurrent. I think what we really want to inspire and encourage women is like, to be unapologetic about communicating what you want and who you are and what you want to try. Um, And knowing that a partner who really loves you will at least hear you out, even if they don't want to participate or, or are have concerns, they'll talk and communicate with you. And if you bring up these things that um, really are on your mind are on your heart and you get a wall and you get an absolutely no, no, this is a non, non-acceptable a non-discussion, then, um, then you kind of have your answer. Like what, what is your path moving forward? You know? So, um, you know, for me, like that, that is a really big thing is like, I need to be in a committed partnership that I can feel free to be who I am and to that, and, and I want to have somebody who I can explore with. I don't need somebody who's already into all these things. I just want someone who um, is a partner in crime. Yes, I like that partner in crime, <laughs> especially if you're going to be role playing burglar and whatever <laughs> else. <laughs> um, so, speaking of, let's say, dating 40s and beyond. One of the things that I've noticed come up with some of my clients is age difference relationships. And I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit, do you have any experience with that yourself and, or have you seen that in the women that you are working with of big age difference relationships? And I'm not talking about necessarily committed relationships, although those as well, but just what can be learned? What are some of the opportunities in that kind of partnership? Yeah, it's actually one of our most popular articles on Scarlet Society. It was written by an amazing journalist, Linnea Floyd, who's also one of our podcast hostesses. And she wrote an article called, I think it's called like, Date a Younger Man, You Really Should, something like that. Um, And 
Yeah, it really is. When I started dating again, I found this to be an actually uh, really eye-opening. I don't know if it's a trend or if it's something that's been going on and I just haven't been in the dating world. But uh, when I went on dating sites, um, people didn't care uh, what my age was. Um, And honestly, a lot of men in their even late 20s um, and 30s actually love being with women that are older. Um, There is just this concept of the older woman knows what she wants. She's confident about herself and her body. Uh, A lot of uh, older women are just like they're done having kids. So there's not this pressure of like, oh, I'm looking for a procreator and like the father of my children and someone to provide for the family. So there's just like a lot more freedom around there. Um, And yeah, like I personally did um, uh, have a couple really incredible experiences and one that um, I just still really hold dear to my heart. Um, and I loved it. <laughs> in, in the end, uh, I, I think he wanted, um, you know, a, a longer term relationship that I wasn't really ready for. But even the concept of, uh, you know, having the, the age just isn't really as much of an issue anymore when you find someone who's a good fit, you know, um, when you can get along, you travel well together, you spend time together and the sex is good and everything's good. It just is less of an issue. But yeah, I really do see that as as a trend, like it's happening more and more. And um, I know I love the story of, you know, the president of France, Emmanuel Macron and his his wife um, and so many others that have been really inspiring. So um, yeah, I definitely encourage it. There, there just is really a lot less of a care of age when things like kids uh, are not really a concern. Um, but yeah, it's it's so fun. Everyone should try it. Men should date older women, and older women should definitely date younger men. <laughs> it's it's interesting because I I remember watching a, a movie, and I don't remember the title, but it had Kate Winslet, and she was. German, yeah. I believe. And it was a, I think she was in her thirties and the, uh, boy was in his late teens, something like that. And he came up to her in this scene and he was going really fast and he was trying to sort of like French kiss her right away. And she just stopped him. And she was like, no, slow. And I was watching this scene with one of my girlfriends and she goes, oh, he's going to be good. He's going to be really good. And it was so funny because um, I have done, I do original sex research. And in some of my surveys and some of my research, I've done sort of longer qualitative interviews, specifically with men who have sex with women. And on more than one occasion, a man has talked about exactly that of a formative experience he had with an older woman when he was younger. And he said, I learned much more from her than I did from any other partner. I was, um, I was lucky. I was really lucky and privileged to, to be, to relate with her. And I think that there's, um, there's a pretty sacred role actually in that dynamic of, um, it doesn't necessarily matter which which, which sex it is. But what I would say is that I think given 
the cultural norms and how difficult it is for women to speak up and be honest with men, given the risks that the actual risks to our person that can come with that, that what I've seen in my sex research is that there's a definitive tone shift in women talking about sex after about the age of 35, that I can look at the data set sort of you know, of women under 35 and then over 35 and the women over 35, they give fewer fucks the way they talk about it. It's just, Mm -hmm. they, they, they take less shit and they're more vocal. They are, they tend to be more vocal Mm -hmm. for everyone, but there, there is a trend there of, to your point of just genuinely feeling more confident in themselves and their bodies. And of course that's a generalization, but it is a generalization that I have seen in my research. And there's something about that of, you know, even the story that you told, I think is really indicative of you taking, you expressing yourself in your power was taking his hand and putting it on your throat and being like, how does this feel? Right. That's incredibly feminine because it's, it's inviting but it's also clear, like, this is cool for me. I would like this. How is that for you? And that, that sort of, that is empowerment. I think there's different ways to be empowered. And, and so that, that thing of what we, what we talk about and what we, what we say in terms of empowerment, I think for a lot of us, we still think of quote unquote traditional power, which is, I'm going to tell you what to do. But I think sometimes invitational power is, showing you what I would like and saying, would you like this too? There's something, there's something coaxing and evocative and, 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 you know, and there's a place for both, right? There's a place for both because I think the Kate Winslet character was like, no, (laughs) no, we're not going to do it that way. Let me show you what's really, what really turns me on. But that, let me show you what really turns me on is empowering and incredibly deeply of service to that that man going forward. And I know I've been sort of, um, afraid to speak up in sexual scenarios in the past. Cause I don't know how the man is going to take it. And mm. curious if you see that in, in the women that you work with, where they they're feeling more empowered now to kind of speak up about what they like and what they want. And, and that must mean that their sex lives are not better. No. Uh, I, you know, we did a survey, um, on sex for women over 40 and we found really a whole, um, you know, a whole spectrum of responses, but it was surprising that actually women over 40 are thinking about and wanting sex more than we as a society really believe that they are. Um, and, uh, I, I think that what it is, I mean, I, I know the women that I what, that we work with, that we talk to, that we interview, um, just generally are like, you know, we we don't think it's okay to have tons of sex and and us not have an orgasm. You know, we want ours too. You know, and we're we're more vocal about it. We are a little bit more like um, not really wanting to put up with a lot of without us getting our pleasure as well. Um, so I think there's just that confidence of, you know, like I'm not just not going to waste my time anymore when I'm 40, you know, there's. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, it's interesting. Cause in my, in my sex research, I asked people about their top, their top sex problems their top dating problems their top relationship problems. And there was, there were definitive differences between the sexes and, um, one of them was women's top sex problem was pain. 
Mm. So for a lot of women, and I'm not just talking about intercourse. I think we say the word sex and a lot of us just conflate it with intercourse, Mm. but you know, um, men being rough with their hands. So Mm -hmm. too much pressure with their hands or, um, or intercourse and, or intercourse not being turned on enough when penetration happens or fingering happens, right. It's like, oh, that actually hurts. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of those things that, you know, the older you get, the more you're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Like I've, Mm -hmm. I've had scenarios where I could, I could feel from the way the man was kissing me, let's say, you know, after a date or something fully clothed parking lot, that kind of thing, the way he was kissing me, the way he was pressing up against me, the way, or even him, you know, sticking his hand down my pants too quickly. I was like, yeah, this isn't going to be good. I can already tell that, that you don't know how to be gentle and slow at first, which doesn't mean that's how you end. That's not, but the on-ramp, right. You're not aware of the sort of on-ramp of turn on. I'm going to decline. Like, I'm not going to sleep with you at all. And I think that's something that, you know, um, if more men knew about, and they actually knew about how women get turned on and were a little bit more skillful with that might actually have more sex because that is actually a choice point, right? Of like, if I'm in the parking lot and he's taking his time and he's sliding his hand down my back and maybe like grabbing my ass a little bit, but like in this slow attuned, like just really present way. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm definitely going home with you. (laughs) Like for sure. I'm turned on and I can feel that you're not going to just finger bang me. It like something that you can porn, right. There's going to be actual connection and it's going to be, it's going to be hot. It's like that, that difference is I think something that we don't, we don't teach. We don't, a lot of men don't know how to do this because they're not taught. And that's another, that kind of comes back to the, the grace that's available when, a woman is, you know, relating with a man and is actually sort of inviting. I would like this. I would like that. There's something really, um, honoring about that because I think for a lot of men, it's sort of like, they don't really know how to do it and they don't really feel like they can ask. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what? I also definitely don't want to end this talk with you without talking a little bit about exploring, the other kinds of explorations, which is like a lot of times women 40 and over also take this opportunity to think through what kind of relationships do I want in the future? Um, And there is a really big trend, not just of exploring sexuality, but also exploring alternative ways of having relationships. Um, And there is, you know, a lot of talk and a lot of discussion right now about whether monogamy is truly the way, the only way that it has to be. And we know that it's not. Um, There's many different ways of doing it. Um, And that really was so eye-opening to me too. A few years ago when I started um, exploring, I was like, wow, there are actually people out there making this work. Um, And uh, and it doesn't have to be just what we've always taught, been taught that it has to be. Yeah, I would imagine you're talking about ethical non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, yeah. Some people call it polyamory or just different relationship structures. Yeah, and I'm. I I love that you're bringing that up because I think that's also something that I've seen of people who have been doing the monogamy thing in a committed partnership where there wasn't a lot of growth. And then they get out of it and they're like, 
do I want to go back there? Is that really the highest expression of who I am and who my partner is? Maybe it's not. And yeah, can you speak a little bit to your, have you, do, if you have experience with ethical non-monogamy, what that actually means? Because it doesn't necessarily mean I sleep with whoever I want all the time. And so does my partner. That's not what that has to mean. Yeah. I mean, I, I have not a, a ton of experience with it because, um, so I was single this whole time and I played with partners who were, and they called it ENM, ethical non-monogamous, but that's just a huge spectrum. I mean, it's everything from, oh, every once in a while, we'll go to maybe a sex party and we'll play with other people to like full on having other serious life partners that are involved with each other, or they will say, oh, we play separately. We play together. You know, um, we only date separately, all, the, all these types of things. So I saw it all and, and it was fascinating, um, really eye-opening. Um, and, you know, I, I really kind of felt like, and feel like I'll really, it's really hard for me to say to someone um, ever again, like, I will only have sex with you for the rest of my life. I'm not sure that that's really a possibility. And I, I true, I truly want to live my most authentic self. So I never want to lie. Um, and I just wouldn't be able to do that. Um, however, I am, uh, monogamous at this point. Um, and, and we're, you know, it, it's been really interesting because I started this relationship and I was just still really gung-ho, like, oh, I'm non-monogamous. But then like with every um, opportunity that presented itself, I just turned it down. I just found myself turning it down. I was like, no, I actually just want to be with my partner um, and had only you know, many talks with him. And he was like pretty clear, like, well, you know, we're in this new relationship and and I just don't want to share. And I and I and I completely honored that and understood and felt that like, um, you know, my whole thing is like, we didn't even have a foundation, you know? And, um, and so I, I don't know where, where, where that future, you know, where that is for me here on out. Um, I know that I'm currently just, you know, loving being with my partner, but, um, but I just really did want to acknowledge that there are people out there doing all sorts of different um, everything on the spectrum from, from just simply exploring together, you know, group play and, um, to, to, you know, full on. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is just really exploring the communication with each other and exploring these emotions, right. The emotions of insecurity and jealousy. Like, I think we, as a society, just take it for granted or like take it not for granted, but we just assume it's okay just to be super jealous about everything and, um, to have all these emotions around, you know, cheating and insecurity and all that. Um, and I kind of went through and go through times where I'm like, why does it have to be like our, our most instinctual human, you know, reaction, you know, to, to every little thing. And is it warranted and is it healthy even, um, you know? And so there's just like so much exploration around that. Um, I, I, I fully acknowledge it. It's like very human, very real to feel jealousy and to, you know, want to control and, and, and control that, you know, part of you and your partner. But, um, but part of it felt to me like it just wasn't, it wasn't, 
really healthy. I didn't, I wanted to explore what were some of the other alternatives around that, you know? Um, and I think in our forties, you know, after, cause when you're, you know, looking to procreate and have kids that it's so strong, like, you know, we are this family unit and nothing can breach that, you know, but once you move on to this next part of this awakening, this midlife awakening is like, okay, well, what, what else is out there? Let me, let me explore. I might, I might just go back to traditional monogamy, who knows, but, um, like it can't hurt just to explore what's the definition of all this other stuff that's out there. I like the underlying value system there too, which is the same as the, what do you want your life to look and feel like just because we were given, this is what, this is what you do, right? You meet someone, you get married, you do the white picket fence thing, just because that's a model that we were given doesn't mean that's how we, need to end up. And, you know, to your point, I think what I would throw in as well around something like ethical non-monogamy is, um, feeling like you're enough for your partner. I know it's a difficult conversation. Some of my clients have had, or had with a partner about, Hey, I'd like us to open up a little bit. I'd like us to open up our relationship. Would you be interested in that? How, how are we going to do that? Should we go to parties together? How do we start? What is all of that? You know, there's a, I think a book called opening up. There's another really good book called poly secure about <clears throat> attachment within polydynamics. And that can be an insecurity that comes up is <clears throat> the interpretation of, I would like to expand and grow our sex life or my own with you is, can be interpreted as, oh, I'm not enough for you. Yeah. I'm not enough for you. Our sex isn't enough. This isn't enough rather than I would like to explore this interesting world over here with you. And I think when we can, like a lot of it comes down to security, our own security in ourselves and our own value sense of worth and value around. It doesn't have to be threatening, like you said, and it can be really uncomfortable and it can bring up a lot for people. And are you willing to go to those places? Are you able to have the vulnerable conversation of I'm worried I'm not enough or, you know, these things around worth are coming up for me instead of sort of attacking or blaming or shaming or making it about this other thing when really it's just about that, that vulnerability piece. So I think that's, that's another way of doing that evaluation, like, okay, what are we really, what are we really wanting? And, you know, to your point, I have many friends who are in Paul, I would call them poly secure relationships, right? They're either with a nesting partner, meaning they, they live with someone and they have a dynamic with that person, but they also have other partners outside or they go to events together, you know, to your Mm -hmm. point. And that's the whole, that's part of what I think can keep things fresh is what, what are our boundaries in this season, do we want to adjust them? There's an aliveness. Whereas I think in monogamous committed containers where it's just an assumption, this is what we're doing. There's not that much discussion. There's not that much intentional reflection with each other about where are we right now and what are we wanting? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as we start to wrap here, I'm just wondering, you know, if there's any advice that you have for men that are, that date women that are out there, maybe post-divorce, um, especially let's say in the, on the apps, do you have any advice for men in terms of relating with women over 40 and how to kind of, uh, 
coax them out or, or help them open up or empower them to be the most radiant versions of themselves? Is there anything men can do to support women in that? I mean, I, I think that being super authentic and being your true self is really important and, and providing like a safe space and container for the woman to be her most authentic self as, as well. Um, I really loved this one app called field F E L D. Um, I of course went on the, the bumble and hinge, and I really did not have a lot of success or fun with it. Um, and I really loved field because people are just so upfront and honest about what they want. Um, and, and it kind of is advertised or positioned as some kind of like kink app, dating app, but I actually found it to be the opposite. Um, there were a lot of people that were into that, but I actually met the most normal people on there as well. Uh, I mean, normal is not like really the right word, but like um, there were people that literally the first um, sentence of their profile is I'm just exploring or I'm here to explore. And for me, that was, that was like safety. That was an opportunity to be like, Oh, well I'm exploring too. Maybe we can explore together. I think you're cute. Um, and instead of going through all like exchanging 20 messages before getting down to the truth, you know? Um, so I think like trying, uh, some alternative, uh, apps out there might be really fun. Um, we have an article on about dating on field um, on Scarlet, which also uh, is pretty high traffic article. Um, and, and yeah, like just, exp- I just think putting it out there to be like, Hey, I'm exploring and I would love to have someone else to explore with is just, just such a open, vulnerable, yet honest um, way to approach um, a woman who you're going to give her the opportunity to explore herself as well. And what woman would say no? I love that. I like the word explore. And I also like the kind of um, the energy behind it of just I don't know exactly where I'm going. I don't know. Yeah, it's exactly like where I'm adventure. Right. It's like, I'm, I'm figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, exploring a new environment feels really different from we're going here. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same thing. There's this, there's an, there's an energy of, um, of wandering in a good way and following yeah. the energy and allowing what wants to unfold to unfold instead of controlling everything. So yeah, I would love to also throw OkCupid into the mix since we're talking about apps that are not Tinder, Bumble, or Hinge. I have a lot of, I know a lot of folks who've had success on OkCupid. I think that it draws a more, um, let's say open-minded consciousness-based audience than, than the other apps. And it also has a lot more space for you to actually put out who you are. The, the other apps have very few uh, characters. So that just a limited, it's just a limited mm-hmm. platform. So, okay. Cupid. And then field is the other one that you mentioned F E E L D for those that are interested F E E L D. And I will, um, I'll drop a link to that article that you mentioned. Um, cause I think that would be, that would be interesting for people. I think they'd be very interested in that. Um, yeah. So if people are interested in Scarlet society, where can they find that and you, and, and what are you kind of excited about in terms of what you're up to right now? 
Yeah, it's www.scarletsociety.com, S-C-A-R-L-E-T, Society. Um, and we have just constantly uploading new articles. They're all written by acclaimed journalists um, and really well vetted. We have an incredible editorial calendar, so just always check back. Um, and then a podcast in YouTube that is also, um, in, you know, we have journalists interviewing amazing um, guests and experts. So, yeah, we're here to inspire and um, help people feel confident in exploring 40 and over. Hey guys, I touched a little bit on my sex research today and I just wanted to let you know in case you didn't know that I do have a course specifically on sex for men who have sex with women called Please Her in Bed. It is based on my research on over a thousand women in terms of the men who are best in bed and it does break things down into intercourse, oral, using your hands and how to help a woman open up in terms of talking about sex, kind of opening up the space, making it safe, all that kind of thing. So if you're interested in that, you can go to pleaseherinbed.com and use the promo code DEARMEN, that's all one word, DEARMEN, to drop the price from 97 to 69 